an eternity of darkness, emptiness, and silence. An eternity of deprivation from everything and everyone you loved and cherished. Deprived of purpose. Deprived of meaning. Deprived of light. Deprived. Others around you were suffering, just as you. Left to stew in regret and despair. Forced to relive over and over each mistake each misguided step taken down the path of damnation. You couldn't see them, could barely touch them. You were abandoned and forgotten by a world for which you had fought and bled, a world and a people for which you had given up everything. For a time, your hatred and anger at this unjust punishment sustained you. You conjured images in your mind of what retribution you would bring upon the one who had banished you to this realm. Then, slowly, your anger faded, replaced by fear and regret. You begged, you pleaded to be forgiven. In your darkest hours, you admitted to your crimes, you confessed and sold out your friends and allies. You revealed your innermost secrets and prostrated yourself like a worm. All to make an end. Please, end it. Kill me, release me from this torment. And no one heard your confessions. No one cared. Finally, you were left with nothing but your memories. At least until you heard them. The faint whispers, growing louder and louder over time. Sins, suffering, fear and rage and lust and an insatiable hunger for more. It was the echoes of those whom you had fought for, those who you had believed to be greater than even their creator thought them to be. You heard how they abandoned what you had taught them how they fell upon one another, how they murdered and plundered and performed unspeakable acts of cruelty upon each other. You had faith, even in this. You, who had sacrificed your place in heaven at the side of your maker, was forced to witness how humanity, these sacred objects of worship, defiled themselves and debased their holy nature. Oh, how you raged. Oh, how you wept. Oh, how you suffered. You called out for him. You begged for his help. The Morning Star, your Venus in the heavens. Lucifer, your general, your inspiration. But he abandoned you. Even he, for whom you had sworn loyalty against your creator cared not for you, and your generals, one by one, they too disappeared. Had they been forgiven? Had the Creator decided that they were worthy of their mercy? And if so, were you not? Torment. It was torment, all of it. It burned you, 
scalded your flesh, seared your mind. It scarred forever who you were and who you are. Yet it sustained you, this suffering. If you could not defeat it, you would embrace it, and thus it became your reason to be. And so time passed, when suddenly you saw it, the cracks. For a brief moment, the darkness was shattered into a thousand pieces, and from between them, you saw just the briefest glimpse of the light. It was enough. Emboldened by this realization, you and so many others like you took wing. You threw off your shackles and escaped the abyss to which you had been consigned so long ago, and returned to the world that had long forgotten you. It was a terrible strain upon your being. The abyss pulled at you, clawed at you. It did not want you to leave. It could not allow you to break free from the eternity of punishment that you had been condemned to. Your strength was but a shadow of what it had once been, and you knew that should you fail in your attempt to free yourself, you would never again be able to muster the strength of will. Was this a part of your punishment, you asked yourself? Had you become so accustomed to the silence and the torment that the Creator had deemed it necessary to give you a glimpse of hope, only to pull it away from you? Desperately you sought for something, anything to cling to. Your form withered away, peeled layer by layer back into the abyss, and you knew you had only a moment. All around you voices became clearer, the same voices you had heard in the abyss. But now, it was not all bad. You heard voices of joy, of love, of friendship, of hope and of kindness, and of acceptance. It twisted your guts to realize that what had been feeding your despair was only one part of a greater whole, and with renewed vigor you sought a vessel, an anchor, anything to keep you to this world, anything to bring you but a moment of solace. And then you found it. A young man slumped over in a small stall. It had been thousands upon thousands of years since you had last laid eyes upon a human. But you would never forget their frail, small form. Divinity, sacred divinity given flesh, given form. The holiest of holy. Yet this one was fading. The light of the Creator, the great architect, was flickering weakly in his chest. It would fade soon, disappear. Desperate to nourish it, to keep it alive, to keep it lit, you embraced this light. You fed yourself into it. The last bit of good that you could muster, you used. And then you opened your eyes. Demons are fallen angels. They are the former servants of a creator who brought the world into existence, and they sided with the archangel Lucifer against their maker. To the Elohim, this is the truth. Perhaps it is, perhaps it is not. Perhaps it is but one truth of many. But regardless, these fallen wardens of the world have returned to it, and they have found it wanting. To the Elohim, 
Their existence began when they were given purpose. Theirs was to create. They were instruments of a divine will, bringing about mountains, oceans, forests, deserts, all the animals on the land, and all the birds in the sky, and all the fishes in the sea, the stars, the sun, and the moon. Each of them had a role, a purpose, and a place in creation. This angelic host was divided into seven houses, although the seventh was created much later than the others. These were the Namaru, the Angels of Radiance, the leaders who served as the voice of the architect in guiding their fellow Elohim, the Asharu, the Angels of the Firmament, who guided the winds of creation and of movement. They ensured harmony in all of creation. The Anunnaki, the Angels of the Fundament, were the form-givers and crafters. They were less concerned with life, but rather with all material things, and could shape and forge anything from great mountains to lethal swords of flame. The Neberu, the angels of the spheres, were seers and prophets who guided the stars and who foresaw the path of everything in creation. The Lamasu, the angels of the deep, were wardens of the oceans and of fluids, of emotions and the waxing and waning of things. They knew the value of rage, of joy, of love and of grief. The Rabisu were the warriors of the Elohim and the angels of the wild. Their wards were the creatures, of whom they were the masters, and nature itself, which they tended to. The Halaku, the last house to be created, were the angels of the second world, the angels of death and of endings, and they became a necessity as life flourished and perished to become new life. And for some time, this was all they needed. Then humanity was created, and the Elohim were told to watch over them. Yet they could not allow themselves to be known by the humans, nor were they allowed to intervene in any and all actions they did. Unlike the rest of creation, the great architect had invested more of themselves into humanity, and thus wished for them to be left to their own devices. The Elohim, of course, respected this, and for a long time this concord was kept. Humanity grew in numbers, and the angels watched as events unfolded one after another. They saw great suffering, and of course great joy, for humans lived short, brutal lives. Yet the Elohim never intervened. It was only when Arimal, an angel of the house of Neberu, foresaw a great disaster that the resolution of the Elohim wavered. This disaster would cause untold suffering and pain, and it would be unleashed by the Creator themselves upon the unsuspecting humans. Perhaps it was this single act, or the culmination of many different events, with this being the straw to break the camel's back. But the angels of God began to speak of this. Eventually, Lucifer, one of the Namaru, began to gather around him those who believed that something had to be done to stop this. Never before had the Elohim beseeched their creator to stay their hand, and to their shock, their pleas were met with deaf ears. They could not change the plans of the great architect, and thus a full third of the angelic host descended to the earth in order to do what they could. They would prepare humanity for the catastrophe ahead of them, 
revealing their true natures and granting humanity the light of knowledge and awareness, something that the Creator had seemingly not wished to give them, despite their suffering. Even before this, many angels had worried about the human's lack of understanding. If these were God's finest creation, the pinnacle indeed of creation, why were they not enlightened? Why were they little more than animals struggling to survive? They had the potential to learn, but the Creator had no intention of teaching them, it seemed to these Elohim. Lucifer's angels taught humanity about good and evil, about the Word, about tools and cities and weapons and death. This greatly angered the Creator, and thus it became a war. The host of the angels of heaven, loyal to the Creator, against the angels who had sided with Lucifer and with humanity. Great destruction and tragedy occurred during this time. Countless lives were lost on both sides as the lines were drawn in the sand. Eventually, however, the angels of earth were defeated. They were cast down into the abyss, a prison constructed specifically for them, and were forgotten by the very humanity they had betrayed their own nature to defend. Yet they would not remain there forever. A great maelstrom shook the world of the dead to its core, causing untold destruction and breaking the walls of the abyss, offering the fallen a chance to escape. Yet even before this, many other fallen Elohim had somehow vanished from this abyss. But now, a large number of them mustered enough strength to escape and to anchor themselves to the earth. The world that they had left behind was but a shadow of what it had been. The suffering their rebellion had brought about was visible everywhere to them, and the realization that they had not only failed in their rebellion, but had been the very cause of the horrific events foretold became clear to them. Desperate to not return to the abyss, these fallen anchored themselves to the souls of mortals right on the very cusp of death inhabiting their flesh and becoming one with them. For many of the fallen, they are still in a state of shock and deep and horrific trauma. They are lost in a world that has forgotten about them, their endless sacrifices meaningless, and perhaps, worst of all, the angels and even the great architect of heaven have all seemingly abandoned the world. Many expected angels with flaming swords to meet them upon their escape, yet they have been met with nothing. To these fallen demons, now is a time to decide. Will they try to lessen their own suffering by afflicting it upon others, demanding the tribute they so deserve for their sacrifices? Or will they try to atone for their past sins and work to earn the forgiveness of, if not their creator, then at least themselves? This is Demon the Fallen, a game about the end of times, about the salvation of humanity, the horrors of an eternity of regret, and the pursuit of forgiveness. Will you carve yourself an empire amongst the humans, binding their souls to yours, or will you try to heal the festering wounds of your past mistakes? <laughs>